We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey there, Knicks fans. How you doing? It's your boy, John of the Macker, with you for another episode of the Knicks Film School podcast. Coming at you on a Sunday night, it's about 723, um, here joined by my good friends, my good buddies, Andrew Claudio. Hello, Andrew. I get first. Hi. How are you, John? I didn't even have my mic ready or anything. It's okay. How are you? I'm okay. My other buddy, Jeremy Cohen. How are you, bud? Long time to see, John. It's been a minute. I, uh, approximately 240 of them or something. So close enough. Uh, so Jeremy, I can hear it. Oh, yes, you can. Yeah, I feel it. <laughs> I don't know if my voice is officially there, but I can hear it. You're at a sounds like you're at a Buffalo Bills bar this afternoon. I saw one of the greatest football games of our time. I'm so mad I left. I'm you so should not have left because it was so chaotic. For context. So incredible. For context. Um, we had we today was our KFS at MSG game for those who don't know. Um, so the bunch of us, the three of us, Benji, Chris, our most of our our crew, and um, a bunch of our patrons went to a suite at the game at the Thunder game today. 
Afterwards, we did a meetup event at Pen Six on 31st Street in New York City. Shout out Pen Six, which I then I was not privy to this. John obviously knew this, that this is a Buffalo Bills bar on yeah. Sundays during the NFL season. The Buffalo Bill backers is the group's official title. And well, they have been backing the Buffalo Bills with uh, our our that bar group uh, for, I think, the better part of 25 years. So long, long time. Well, this was news to me when I walked in and saw a bunch of people from South Toronto um, <laughs> watching their football team. And uh, what ended up happening in the actual Buffalo Bills game was they blew a 27 to 10 lead and lost 33 to 30 in overtime. And the last 10 minutes of this game were some of the craziest football things. There was a goal line stop that was followed by a goal line fumble by the offense that led to a touchdown by the defense. Then a, a pick at the end of the game that would have, when they were in field goal range, yep. when you had the chance to tie the game. And then there was a miss uh, point after attempt where they, yes. so with the Vikings, basically it was like all they had to do after that, if they hit it was kick a field goal to tie it and they didn't. Mm-hmm. And then they got stopped as you said, but then they got the touchdown to play later. It's, Pure chaos. That's so, the thing. It's the it, when the Bills did well. It's the loudest thing you will possibly hear. Mm-hmm. And when they don't do well, you can hear a pin drop. Uh, I texted you guys in our group chat. I was like, it was like leaving that place was like walking through a funeral. That's so, just how quiet it was. And I'm so mad I missed it. Also, the Bills are six and three. You mean the Jets? <laughs> no, the Bills are now six. Oh, and the three. Bills are also six. They are. Yeah. And the Jets hold the tiebreaker. And the Jets hold the tiebreaker. There you go. Okay. There you go. Um, so I left early on because I, I wanted to get home, um, one to help my wife with some things that she was kind enough to watch both of our children. while I was at that, um, I guess I'll call it a basketball game. What passed for a basketball game for a while. And then it devolved into something else that I'm not sure was a basketball game. Um, but two, I wanted to start writing about said quasi basketball game. So yeah, I missed a lot of that. I missed the funeral funereal feeling at the end. Although it is funny how you could have a team that is, I think, still probably the odds on favor or maybe not the odds on favorite to win the Super Bowl, but they're like one of the what two or three favorites. Right. OK. Yeah. And have it feel like a funeral because you lose a really tough game against a team that is a, a very good team and the whole thing. And that's one way to feel like a funeral. It's not the only way to walk away from a sporting event feeling like you have just attended a funeral and maybe that's putting a little bit too fine a point on it and we'll we'll get into the details obviously um but what happened today as we're talking so sunday afternoon at msg i I, i'm just going to steal what i my newsletter title for tomorrow it felt like the beginning of the end for tom Thibodeau. And I am very curious to get your reactions, Jeremy. And I want to give you the the floor to say whatever you're going to say, because you have been certainly more vocal and more ardent in your criticism of Tom over the last year, especially, Um, you know, when we've had a lot of good back and forth. I'd like to think they're good back and forth discussions about it. Right. Um, In which we kind of got at the heart of some of the stuff that went wrong or has gone wrong and how much was his fault and this and that and the other thing. So I'll just open it and we're going to get into some of the specifics of the game because they reveal a lot of other issues, but I'll just say at the top, if you were someone like me who has always defended Tom 
here with the Knicks. I think the thing more than anything you fall back on is that, and I've said this in different ways many times, I remember and have internalized the pain of so many basketball games that from the moment you they threw the ball up at center court, almost from that exact moment, as a Nick fan sitting at home watching, you knew they were not going to win this game. Like, and maybe they would trip and stumble their way into a win here and there because the other team was maybe out partying or like someone got hot or whatever. But from a from a from a process point of view, from a preparedness point of view, from all of those sorts of things, they just weren't going to compete or they weren't going to be in the game more often than not against, you know, decent or good teams. And for me, Tom Thibodeau represented and has always represented a departure from that. And that's even last season, as everything went wrong around him, like you looked at how the team came out and like they would get these big leads and then they would lose the big leads. But you could, you could at least point to the fact like, OK, they came out and they got the big lead. Right. They were doing something right. Like it's something's getting lost in, in translation here, but there's some good stuff also happening. And then we enter this season. And now the Knicks, after blowing an unconscionable game to the Atlanta Hawks, after barely beating a Sixers team, missing their two best players. Um, taking it down to the wire against Detroit team that might be the worst team in the league, um, beating a Minnesota team that is perhaps the only team in a worse state of like chaos than the Knicks right now. Uh, oh, what did I? Oh, yeah, giving up a franchise record three pointers to uh, the Celtics last weekend, and then uh, what am I forgetting? Oh, yeah, getting land basted by the Brooklyn Nets uh, a week or so removed from their own state of turmoil by twenty seven points in Brooklyn. They give up 145 points today to the Oklahoma City Thunder, a decent Thunder team. They're fine. They're a decent team. They're not bad. They have a, a star, emerging superstar, if you want to call them that. Um, but this is the most points this franchise has given up in 43 years. So I say all of that, and I'm sorry I'm going on for a while. I promise I'm going to turn over to you in a moment. Are we at the point where the thing that Tom is supposed to bring, the thing that Tom is supposed to represent, that level of competence, that level of, okay, at least we know what we're going to get. It might not work out in the end, but we know they're going to come out and they're going to be ready to play. And they're going to have a game plan that if they execute the game plan, they will have a chance to win the game in the end against pretty much any opponent. Are we past that? And I'm not even talking about all the rotation stuff and all. And, and yes, all some of this is like overlapping, but like, are we past that and even as I say that, I'm like, well, they're not a team that's clearly dogging it, and like there's still effort there. But then you know what, Jeremy? To me, if they're going out there and they're and you watch a team like today go out and like, I don't know, did you think they were outright dogging it? I didn't think they were dogging it. Did you? No, no, I didn't think they were dogging it. Okay, I, yeah, I don't think they've been dogging it. If you have a team that's going out there and giving some modicum of effort. And they're not really dogging it, with the exception of maybe one guy who I'm sure we'll get to, because we always do. Um, not really dogging it on defense. And I don't think they've been dogging it lately. And you still give up 145 points, and you still get blown out by the Nets, and you still give up this lead to the Hawks, and you still and all of this shit. Is is that not worse potentially than having a coach who has a team that goes out there and just like fu- fucks around and doesn't even try? And that's kind of at the point. Where I'm at is—is is this a coach that, in a way, I don't want to—is it too harsh to say like he's abandoned this team? No, he hasn't abandoned this team, but 
it with whatever game plan that they had today, they didn't have a chance, you know, and I know Oklahoma city hit, you know, 55% from three and they're a terrible three point shooting team. I, I don't care. I don't care. You don't give up 145 points and turn around and be like, well, the other team hit some shots and um, you know, we didn't get some bounces in. Come on enough, enough. And that's where I'm at. Um, I don't think, I don't even know what else I have to say about Tom. So I'll, I'll turn it over to you. I had a lot of fun in the game. Regardless, it's a great game. It's oh, awesome to see that. so many people. Um, I, you know, the way I felt as I was watching this, it wasn't, it didn't feel like a funeral, but it kind of felt like a celebration of life <laughs> in the sense of it wasn't morning Tibbs. It was just like, I was talking with some people about how fondly the first season was. And we can talk about the lasting impact of, you know, if the Knicks weren't good that year, what happens these next few years, how that changes the trajectory or not, but purely from a basketball and enjoyment standpoint, I know you guys have talked about this too. I loved that season and it was escapism from a year of chaos and it was great. It also set in motion where we're at right now. And it was always going to come to this with Tibbs. It was just a matter of when. What I worry about is you listed all these different games. We are 13 games in, and I feel like you can count on more than one hand the amount of games that either were just egregious or gave us some sort of agita. Like even the easy, it was, shouldn't say the easiest game, right? But they, the Pistons no, let's go through were without Cade, and it was still this close to the point where why are we sweating when this is happening? Like, I, I, here's the thing. I didn't, there wasn't a moment during this Pistons game where I felt they're going to blow it. I, I genuinely didn't think that, but it got so close to the point where I was schwitzing a little because like, how could you not? And the fact that, again, you can count on, on one hand or more than one hand, it's spilling to the second one about those games, the Hornets game. It was a lot of fun. They also probably shouldn't have, they played well at the beginning of the season and they've tapered off. Certainly I think eight, eight losses in a row that the Hornets have had, even yeah. still, it just, it feels like the only team they took advantage of them, as you were saying, was the Timberwolves, which is a team that is in a far worse situation than the Knicks are right now. And the fact that there are a million ways to die in the West, maybe it's a million ways to die in the East, because that's just how it feels with this team. And I don't, there are three issues that I, see it's Tibbs it's Randall's impact and it's Fournier's impact and with Fournier you can mitigate it by just not really playing him you don't have to play him the contract's not going anywhere like it's not like if you play him more or less it, it really does much look at how he performed today he was just downright terrible he is a man who seems like he doesn't have confidence in who he is and I get it because listen he signed that contract right Tibbs didn't sign on the contract he's here he came in as a secondary or tertiary scorer, someone who could do some added stuff, get in playmaking. He, that's not really what his role became. It became much more, let me make you like Reggie Bullock on the offensive end. Not Reggie Bullock, but closer to a, him. And it just feels like he's right. And Reggie it feels Bullock. like he has zapped. It feels like his, his joy has been zapped. He's not playing out there like the NBA player that he is. I understand that the competition in the NBA is a little bit different than what this summer was with um, 
but the, what was it? The European championships. Was it yeah. right? He was a good player then he did well. And then he comes here and it almost feels like he doesn't want to be here and he can't move because of how he's playing and because of the contract situation and the front office, you don't have to play him. That's one. Number two, Randall, you're going to play him. He's not going to not play, but at least if you trimmed his minutes in a way that made you feel like you are getting minutes for Obi Toppin, that you're mitigating other areas of, of, you know, what your team is, you can do more with it. Um, you know, like if you look at this team cleaning the glass, which screens out garbage time, there have been 1195 possessions for the Knicks. And when you factor in offense and defense, the difference between the two, the Knicks are in the 37th percentile. If you look at the stats, this is including the thunder game. If you look at the stats with Julius and Evan off the floor, oh, there yeah. are 227 possessions. And instead of being in the 37th percentile, they are in the 75th percentile. That's double the amount in terms of percentile. Yeah. You're not going to be able to necessarily move either of them right now. Right? Like it, but you can at least mitigate it. Tibbs. There, you're either, there's no half pregnant here. You either have Tibbs or you don't. If the front office starts saying, Hey Tibbs, we want you to play these guys more. Then you're basically saying to Tibbs, we think you're not doing a great enough job and we don't trust you. And if Tibbs is from that perspective, it's like, if you don't trust me, why am I still here? And that then goes to the issue. What's the easiest thing to do right now? It's to replace the coach. It's not to move players on November 14th, which is when people would be listening to this. It's not something that really happens. And by the way, it's less about the Knicks dogging it. I just wonder who on this team really wants to play for him. Like That's the player who should most be in his corner is Derek Rose, who outright said, I don't really know what my role is this year. That if Derek Rose is saying that, God knows what the other players are like. Emmanuel quickly, Ian Begley reported this week that quickly wanted, you know, that their team's interested in the trade. And in my mind, I'm thinking who benefits from this league? It's not the Knicks unless they're really shopping him. And I don't see why this news would come out in I, early November. It's not necessarily other teams that are, I mean, it could be, could be other teams going to Ian and saying, Hey, and Ian reporting. I've, I've learned that other teams like it possibly, but to me, it felt like this is very, very coincidentally timed with the idea that quickly isn't getting the playing time he wants. And he's been a soldier through all of this. And if I'm quickly, I'm thinking, why am I really motivated? Like I'm motivated because I'm a basketball player. I want to do well at my job. I love this. I work hard, but extrinsically, what do you get if you work hard? Because what Tibbs has basically said is quick, you could work as hard as you can. You're not leaving the bench. Like I'll close with you, but I like you're never going to start for me. Right. And I struggle with that because cam has certainly been a good player. We've seen, especially in the defensive and we've seen, positivity there. It's been good. But like when Fournier was out there and it was egregious and maybe Cam wasn't the first option, why why not try it? It just and the Strickland talked about this where there there's barely been any IQ reddish RJ minutes. Like there is the personnel is there. It's why I get well frustrated at the idea in general that like the Knicks don't have the personnel to be well, an let, average team. They do. They don't have the coach who is creative enough to get them into that position where you feel like, hey, he's trying to do something here. Like you don't need 48 minutes of rim protection 
when the largest player on the Thunder is like six eight, six nine, it it, it does not compute. I'll, let me. I'll push back for just a little bit there. In that, rather than we know that in the league as it is right now, where there are, um, I don't know. 18, 19, 20. Things are all confused now because like Utah's good and like Minnesota stinks. About two thirds of the league is like is, is good, right? They're going for it. Like they're 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 pretty legit. Um, I don't know that I could sit here and be like the Knicks have the personnel to be an average team if your definition of average is between thirty nine and forty three wins. What I will say is I can't, I certainly, certainly cannot sit here and say that they are, that I know for a fact that they do not have the personnel. I don't know if that made any sense. Like there are, there are too many unanswered questions at this point with these players that have been here for almost all of them, with the exception of Jalen Brunson, who we know exactly what he is and Cam Reddish who came in the middle of last season and I Grimes, I'll say Grimes as well, but Grimes hasn't even been, been there. Um, these guys have been here for over two years and the fact that we are still asking these questions and the fact that like, yes, that's one of probably a dozen examples, Emmanuel quickly never getting a look with the starters and that stuff, that stuff is real. And the notion of Tibbs starting to starting to lose, you know, I hate to say it, but lose the team or lose that grasp. Like the way he coaches, you have to have, you said it before, there's no half pregnant. If you're going to execute a Tibbs scheme properly, it has to be to perfection. That's what he banks on. That's the whole way the 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 we're going to drop back and we're going to you know it's all like it's all perfectly. It has to be perfect. And if it's not perfect, it's going to look like it looked like today, which is my goodness abysmal. Um, the only yeah. other thing, no, what you're say, and then I, well, no, the only other thing I was going to say. And I, I don't have an answer to this, and I don't know that you have an answer to this. I don't think there is an answer to this. Is is trying to disentangle the Julius Randall of it all from the Thibodeau of it all to me continues to be the most challenging thing because like, I, I, and I don't even know what more I could say about it in 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 confidence other than that because it seems like these two things are joined at the hip but also that they have their own separate angles. And I, that's the only other thing I just wanted to, to throw in before we move on. Yeah, hundred percent. You know, I, I keep going back to what Alan Hahn said when the Knicks were trying to trade up for Ivy, which is that no one could really get the best grasp on what a lot of these young players values were. And it came because they weren't playing. Now the front office added other talent around them and that talent, played ahead of them and played in roles where maybe the younger players should have gotten more experience and more exposure. And that's on the front office, but it's on Tibbs to also determine when things are working, when they're not, and when they're not working, how they can improve. And yes, he is not responsible for Julius Randall being signed to the contract that has him here. He is responsible for the fact that Obi Toppin, who is by this point, a legitimately good three point shooter helps with spacing can do more what we at least we hope he can do more. We don't even necessarily know because of the fact that it feels like he just gets the leftovers. And if a player is as negative, and I don't necessarily mean disposition wise. I mean, it. if you look at a lot, yes, Randall's box score, if you're just taking a quick look, 
There's some good stuff in there. If you look at especially the defensive end of it, which we know drives Tibbs crazy because he's a defensive coach. If especially in that Brooklyn game, if uh, even if the Boston game, if he's today the reason too. why so today much, and today, yeah, why all these screens aren't working, switches are, are a nightmare. Don't keep him in there, Jeremy. No. They're attacking him. Of course, they, they opened are. the third yes. quarter with Lou. They were hunting Julius Randle on defense, and they were going right at him because they knew they would beat him off the dribble. And if some Nick came over to help because he was getting beat off the dribble, that Julius Randle wasn't about to go make the next rotation to cover up for whoever left their man to to come in and get the guy that was driving on him. That this is in every team's game plan at this point, which is why, which is why again, I have trouble disentangling these two because it's as you've said many times it's a hundred million dollars invested in this player you're not going to put this player on the bench you're going to play this player 20 something minutes you know and with the roster you have those minutes are going to probably come most of them are going to come at the four as they probably should because you can't protect their it's just he he becomes a maddening player to try to game plan around and with and so from that perspective and the fact that they have all the money tied up in him i have the most sympathy for tibbs and at the same time it's also my greatest criticism for the reasons that that you just stated well ultimately talent wins out and i'm sure a lot of people are listening to that and think talent julius Rand-, but but it's it's the just players in general, when you're signed to a larger contract, when you are, when you have an integral role, whether you are a good player or not, you are probably going, you're, you're, it's easier to get rid of the coach when things aren't working than it is to get rid of the player. And that is unfortunately something that Tibbs has to grapple with. Is it ideal? Maybe not. I think there's a world in which maybe both should not be here and we can see what, you know, how that goes. But I just, I still (laughs) wonder, I still wonder, is it, is the disconnect between Randall and Tibbs about the relationship between the two of them? Because things were really good the first year where Randall's looking like a superstar and Tibbs is is the honeymoon phase and everything. And then it just, it just grows apart. They grow apart. And then we get to this point. And um, I don't know. I just, I I think there's something to be said and I'm saying it's almost like I'm writing an obituary for someone who isn't, you know, who's not gone support. Right. But people are going to say when Tibbs is what feels like going to be fired at some point, why is it the Knicks didn't just go into this season with Johnny Bryant or another coach? Why, why is it they didn't make the change in the beginning? We we know why. Well, why are you saying why? I think you said it. You only get, you're only guaranteed to get one coach firing. Yes, you are. If you can push it into this season, then what you say is, look, we, we had to we had to turn to an interim. It didn't work out. But the next coach, whether we like that guy who was the interim coach or a new guy, that's the guy we're sticking to. And then unless things are completely a nightmare, you get a year out of it. They're stretching it. They're stretching their time. And there's nothing. I'm with you, though, John, in that I do agree. If Tibbs isn't here, it's not going to change the personnel, right? It's not like this team is going to be so much better, but we just don't know. But it's not like they're going to take this jump from, hey, this is not going well to this is a superstar team. It's it's somewhere in the middle, probably closer to the other end of it, which is is an average team that should be playing like an average team. And the record itself is misleading because they're six and seven where every week 
It's very just record. It's very cons- like it's consistent with how well, you would have felt, how I felt. But when you look at the games themselves, yes, you're right. It's completely misleading. There's we're about nothing to get a different animal, uh, and we'll go through the re- we'll go through the upcoming schedule. We did it before at the bar. We'll go through yes, it. We for, for and, then we <laughs> and then we drink. And then we drink. Yeah. Um. Two two things, and then I want to. We're, we're probably honestly, we might be burying the elephant in the room, or not the not the elephant. Might be burying the lead. Um. With the some fourth quarter decisions that he made, which kind of tie into this as well. I want to say one more thing on Randall. As has been said by many times, I think Obi said it really well at the end of last season. It's the most basic offense in basketball. It's just read and react. That is the offense. There is no other offense. It's read and react. And it's about how do you put guys in initial advantage situations where they can get the second guy to the ball and then they make the proper reaction. Uh, That's all it is. Julius Randle this season is a top 10 percentile usage player. He's in the 92nd percentile for usage for forwards. Uh, I see cleaning the glass has reclassified him. That's interesting. Um, And he's above the median in efficiency. Um, Now, this is I'm looking at this. This is only through 12 games. Maybe this went down a little bit, but. 53rd percentile for forwards and efficiency, 115 points per 100 possessions. If you're in the top 10 percent for usage and you're above the median for efficiency on offense, like you're doing fine, right? Um, it's not great, not great, not all NBA, not all star, but like you're fine. Tibbs sticks with Randall, not because you know Randall has fucking naked pictures of him or anything. It's because that's the offense, and Randall still now along with Brunson. It used to be just Randall, but now Randall and Brunson are the guys he relies on the most to be able to get two on the ball and then make the reaction. Now, Randall has made more decisions, the the proper decisions this year, but that is the offense. There is no pivot. There is no pivot to something like, hey, let's figure out ways where we can try to get a guy like Obi Toppin in space more, you know? I mean, and yes, they have been running and there's different things. And I don't know that there is an answer, but when we talk about Tibbs and Randall, it's 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 tough whenever we we say more accountability more accountability more accountability baked into that is the fact that this is his offense and without Randall there which is which is why I believe that even if they had a trade today to just dump for Julius Randall's contract I don't know that they would make that trade um so again that's partially a tips thing that's partially a Randall thing um Randall of course was in there for the fourth quarter against Oklahoma City. Two players who did not touch the court in the fourth quarter were R.J. Barrett and Jalen Bronson. And uh, that, to me, Jeremy, is a massive deal. Uh, Both of those guys. And I don't... I mean, we've... There have been some games over the course of his three years here where R.J. hasn't finished. Uh, You know, last two years under Tibbs. There's been a few. I feel like I could probably count them on one hand. Uh, maybe I might need to go to a second hand. And now Brunson, who has been unequivocally their best player, like for both of those players to finish the game on the bench felt to me like it reeked of a little bit of desperation. And also like if you finish the game with those two players on the bench, you've either like your core has been shaken or potentially he's just, He's like so confident that he feels like he doesn't have to worry about shaking the core. Like I don't you could go in either direction there, but either way, that was to me unnerving. I think someone at the event said it was quiet quitting. And uh 
It's like, all right. Yeah. I can't, can't necessarily disagree with that. Yeah. It's, it was mind boggling. And I think it's, it's a very fascinating how he's going about this because I don't know who's even in his corner. I don't know either. I, I, I don't get it. You know, this is someone who has said in the past, you know, the reason I play my stars is because, and I play them heavy minutes is because if the other team's playing their stars, five more minutes than mine, we're going to lose. And I want, I fight for every single game, right? Like we've seen him put players starters back into the lineup in games that never should have been close. It's how RJ Barrett got hurt last year when that nuggets game was never a winnable game. And yet he put him back in there for, I don't know why, but he did. That's what he did. Somehow he gave up on this game, but he wants like he said he wants to try something different with this, but it feels like he never wants to try something different that makes sense from the fans perspective. Right. Look, I don't watch the film three times. I'm not paid to coach the team. So from the peanut gallery, what I see is, okay, you're trying things. There are things, you know, aren't necessarily going to work and they're not things that you're going to try to do long-term, right? Like we're not going to see Randall and Fournier with no Brunson or Barrett on the court very much. And if we are, it's going to, it's probably because it was already a loss in a situation like this. Your calling card is defense. and You give up 145 points. I think that one thing we were discussing at the game was Usually what happens is Knicks, the Knicks take advantage of teams that come in, they have late nights, they're partying, yep. and then early games, they're well-rested and they beat them. It doesn't happen anymore. And I think it probably doesn't happen because NBA players now are just different from the NBA players and you know the aughts or the 90s. You're not seeing these players going to clubs a lot, most likely. They're probably playing video games. They're probably hanging out and they're like, they're just, there's just a different generational style. And I say they don't go out and they don't do things just different. I think Zion said like 80% of the league watches anime, but no one will admit it because they don't want to seem uncool for watching anime, but if you like anime, you like anime. I just think there's a different type of, of players here. And what used to be an advantage for the Knicks being in this city, it's not like Tibbs apparently had the players come in early and work through something. And it worked offensively for the first quarter. Yeah. 48 minutes, 48 points, 48 points. First quarter, That's best, best first quarter explosion. in team history. Yep. And it never, ever felt close. Honestly, it never felt like they would run away with this No, because the thunder were breathing down their necks. And then it just went in completely opposite. No, directions. It was defense optional. It was a defense optional game. And like, just to be clear, Barrett had a terrible first half. Yes. He was really, he was not good on offense defense. I thought he, I thought he was okay. I thought he had some nice possessions against Shea Gillis, Alexander. Um, and uh, Brunson was, was very good on offense, but was part of part of the problem on the defensive end. But then again, who, who wasn't, I mean, other than Cam Reddish um, who had some nice moments. I thought Emmanuel quickly also, I thought Cam had a, Cam had a very nice game. Quickly also, we'll get to those in in game ball, but yeah. Hey guys, quick break to tell you about WinBet, the official sports book of Knicks Film School. Ready to win money and boost your odds? WinBet is now live in Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, and Virginia. We're bringing the excitement of win Las Vegas to online sports betting and casino play. 
Exclusive rewards are right at your fingertips with Win Rewards on WinBet. Get in on all your favorite teams, players, and sports from the NFL, NBA, MLB, NHL, golf, MMA, the WNBA, college football, and more. Great promos, odds, and payouts are happening right now at WinBet. From boosted same-game parlays to live in-game odds on every major sport, WinBet has what you need to win. Ready to play? Sign up today to receive a special offer. Bet 100, win 100. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com. That's wynnbet.com to start winning. Download, bet, win. It's that simple. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, quick break to tell you about Factor. Factor makes it easy to eat clean 24-7 with fresh, never-frozen, prepared meals that are so delicious you wouldn't believe they're actually good for you. Factor saves you time by delivering chef-crafted meals to your doorstep, eliminating the hassle of grocery shopping and meal prep. Not to mention cleanup. No dishes to wash here. Each Factor meal arrives pre-prepared and ready to eat in two minutes. That's even faster than ordering in. Factor tackles the tough stuff so I don't have to. Their registered dietitians and expert chefs work hand-in-hand to create meals with nutritious ingredients. And with 29 meal options each week, I'm never bored. Going off script for this next part to tell you just how convenient and delicious I've found Factor. My to-do list is usually never-ending. I rarely have time for meal prep. When Factor sent me a box to test out, I chose the extra protein option. They sent me a week's worth of meals and I had no idea just how convenient this was going to be. 
Each meal comes pre-prepared. You just put it in the microwave for two minutes, wait another two minutes for it to cool down, and boom, in four minutes, my meal is ready, and it's delicious as well. Last night while I was editing this podcast, I heated up the pork shepherd's pie with white cheddar, Yukon mash, and roasted green beans. Not only was the prep time non-existent, but I was able to get a lunch break in and still get the podcast out for all of you to hear without taking a significant break. They have plenty of other meal options as well. There's vegan and veggie meals, keto, low-calorie options, cold-pressure juices, smoothies, energy bites, plant-based bars, extra protein, the one I chose, veggie sides, and more to keep you fueled and focused all day long. Don't hesitate. Head to go.factor75.com slash filmschool130 and use promo code filmschool130 to get $130 off across six boxes. That's filmschool130 at go.factor75.com slash filmschool130 for $130 off. I don't know, man. Uh, I will do the predictions at the end, but we should, I mean, I, I think it's relevant to just real quick go through what's coming up as we're having this conversation mm-hmm. um, starting Tuesday at Utah, then back to back at Denver <laughs> Friday at golden state Sunday at Phoenix. You have to laugh Monday at Oklahoma city, just beat them today. And then Friday back home, Portland in their own building. So they get uh Thanksgiving and the, they got a three day break uh, Friday home, uh, home, Portland Sunday, home Memphis, then there's a little bit of a reprieve. You would think they go to Detroit. And then the next four after that, Milwaukee home, Dallas at home, Cleveland at home, Atlanta at home. There is a very good chance barring, you know, some key players getting injured for some of those teams or like sitting out or whatever that the Knicks will be underdogs um, in 11 of their next 12 games. In fact, it would be a considerable surprise if they were not underdogs in any of those 11, they'll, I would imagine they'll probably be favored at Detroit. Although who knows at this point, that's the next 12, that's the next 12 games. It, it, that's what it is. Um, it, that gets us to December 7th game. 25 would be that game in Atlanta. And then after that, there's a stretch where you figure they can make some hay. I sitting here right now. Is there any, I, I can't say with confidence that Tibbs is going to be the one still coaching the team at that point. I can't say it either. You know, we were discussing this too. It's like, it almost feels like what is the date that works to fire Tibbs if you're the front office? Not if, because the thing is, is as time keeps going, you basically give Tibbs more of a chance, right? Like the thing that pisses me off so much about this game was knowing how tough the schedule is. You needed these types of games. You had to win these games, have them in your back pocket so that when you do lose, it's all right. Well, that sucks. We lost, but at least we had these games before. And again, we could look through, we talked about, but the six wins that the Knicks had, right? They're primarily against teams under 500 or missing their best player slash players. And again, they won those games. Kudos to them. They had to do it and they did, but it hasn't felt easy. There was a fight against the Grizzlies after in the second half. And then when you look through the list, it's just like, what was it that really felt like? I love the effort that was put through. It's not dogging it. So to speak, it's just matching up against a team and feeling like the Knicks actually had a legitimate chance to win this game. And it's the Atlanta game for the first 18 or so minutes. 
And then since then, like, again, they came, they came back and they beat Philly and that was great. I shudder to think what would have happened if the second or the, the runner up in the MVP category were playing. If the uh, $68 million man that they signed and James Harden were there, but they still came away with the win, which I is important as the Knicks try to keep winning. But a game like today, the idea of going in seven and six to a brutal five game, five road game trip, West Coast road trip. Yeah. And then to come back and then, you know, you have Thanksgiving and you're like, to me, if the Knicks weren't playing Memphis and Milwaukee and Dallas and Cleveland, you know, Detroit sprinkled in there too, but not as much of a threat. If that were the case, if they weren't playing those teams, I would have thought, isn't the most Knicks thing possible to do a Friday night firing after the Blazers game where it's like, a, it's like a news dump, right? It goes into the weekend cycle. You don't have to worry, but I don't think that they would let whoever would take over for him in a position where they feel like they will fail. And if you go to the 25 game mark, you say, we gave him a quarter of the season, right? Last year, it didn't go well. It just didn't. We're at the point where we need a spark. And that would be the spark. But at the certain point, it's like, you then look at that schedule. We just did game 13. So if we're yeah. at game 25, 12 games from now, let's say generously, they go four and eight, right? I'm not saying it's going to happen. I'm just saying, let's let's give them... Yeah. Like th- that's very, the thing. We're that's the very generous. Right. So you're at 10 and 15. Yeah. Not too bad because you're in, you're still in play in territory. It's early. You can yeah, figure I don't think it that, out. I don't think that does it. But then, right. What happens if, if it's two and 10 instead, and we're looking at eight well, and 17, but that's the difference. That's the difference. And, and for me, I don't want to get ahead of ourselves, but already I'm already thinking of, what is there a pivot? Is there or, or is there an organizational pivot to the point where if they look around, if they get to that 25 game mark and they are again, just to th- just to put a number out there, if they are eight and what would it be? Eight and 17? Yeah. Eight and 17. If they're eight and 17 and they're fourth or fifth or sixth in the lottery odds at that point. Is there at least, I mean, I would hope at that point there's at least a team meeting. About a potential change. I mean, just like get get everybody on the phone. Be like, hey guys. So there's this guy, Victor something or other. Apparently, <laughs> can do some things on the court. Like, have you have, has anybody seen tape of this guy? Um, like, have that meeting if that's where they're at after 25 games. Um, you know, and there's an argument that like if they're two or three wins more than that, like. Does that mean you shouldn't have that meeting? And like that gets into a whole other host of uh, host of things. All right. Um, I don't have anything else I want to say. I'll yeah, add one more thing. Say. I just don't see them pivoting in that direction. I don't either. I don't. Right. Because like their their whole offseason was we want to get better as a team. And the fascinating thing is, I think you and I were discussing this there. It's like, it's so funny how the two best players on this team this year, especially when you look at like more cleaning the glass focus, it's Isaiah Hartenstein and it's Jalen Brunson. Yeah. And this was coming off of a year prior oh, that's what I where yeah. we're looking at a free agency class where it wasn't good. It didn't work out. I'm the first person to say I loved that offseason when it happened. I was totally wrong about it. And now you see you see them getting out of a lot of it, right? Like mm-hmm. they didn't move Burks, Noel, and Kemba just to move them. They moved it and then knew they were getting, 
you know, whether it was wink, wink, nudge, nudge, or, Hey, here's the incriminating smoking gun text of Jalen want to play in New York question mark from Leon Rose probably wasn't that, but like you have to, I think they're trending in the right direction. The bones of this house are pretty good. It's very easy for fans in general to look at a lot of the things that are going wrong and hone in on them. And to be honest, the things that are going wrong are completely valid. If you have gripes about how this team is being run, there's a very good chance that you're in the right. And I, I like, I won't push back too hard. It depends on the argument, but I think they're legitimate concerns, but I do think the positive does get buried here. The issue is that it's very easy to say flexibility without having anything in mind, right? Like, yeah, the picks are valuable. What are the picks going to do for me today? What are the picks going to do for me tomorrow when I don't even know what player they would even get? It's really tough. They're ready. It's just, what are they ready for? And I think it's why, you know, this people want the Knicks to win, obviously, at least Knicks fans want the Knicks to win, but in the long term, and I'm not suggesting, hey, Tank, because I don't really know how you could do that. They're putting right now a a decently mediocre product on the floor anyway, where they're trending in the downward direction. But it's it's the sort of thing where if their strongest point is building through the draft and you want more bites of that apple, you don't need to tank for it because... The, the irony is that the Knicks got their asses handed to them by a Thunder team whose best player, number one, wasn't even drafted by them. I know. And number two was taken 12th overall. So, yeah, tank and, and like tanking is important if if you view it as important. But it really depends on the situation because you can still find a great amount of talent in that range. And that's why, again, I still was fine with the Knicks trading out of 11 still going to be the case. We'll see how that holds up in the future. It could very easily be that there was like Atari Eason type who's just so good that, Hey man, the Knicks should have really taken them. Jalen Williams. Like why did they trade out of that spot? We could probably do that for one player or another until then though, it feels like the best way to win these fans over is okay. Look, yes, we do want to star in the building. We need to prep for that, but we're going to try to focus inward. We're going to look in house. We're going to lean on our strengths, which is, drafting and development because as bad as this is with Tibbs, I do honestly believe that he has played a productive role in developing these players. Oh yeah, for sure. It's just, I I completely agree with that. He has gotten to the point where that's not good enough. But so we're the only I'll push, I'll push back and then we'll get to, we'll get to game balls and uh, detention is it's tough for me to say that I'm happy with the and comfortable with the bones of the team for two reasons. One if Jalen Brunson isn't on this team and granted the front office went out and signed him and he is on the team and they get credit for that. And he's here. So it's not like we have to imagine a world where he isn't here because he's here. That said, if he was not here, do they have a win? Do they have two wins? I'll say two. I feel comfortable saying two. Yeah, he is here. I know he's, he's here. He's here. I feel comfortable saying that they would have two wins. Um, and Hartenstein's been very good too, uh, to your point. The other part of it, why I have some trouble with saying with the bones of the team is are fine, is because I Julius Randle is here. Hashtag he here. Is that supposed to be Julius or Brunson? 
It was Brunson, but it works yeah. out even works. more perfect with Julius Ray. Hashtag he here. Yeah, he yeah. here. He he's still here and he he not going anywhere. Um I don't know how because I I I am of the belief at this point that he's just not a player you win with in the NBA unless he is playing a very particular role on a very particular roster. And that is probably going to be, and I've said it a few times, 20, 25 minutes off the game, um, bench units where, you know, he could be insulated to the extent that anyone could be insulated if they're not a really good defensive player. Um, and even then, you know, like you're, you're, it's, it's, it's kind of an archaic offense when you run it through him because, he goes about it the way he goes about it. And he's, you know, he's tried to embrace some of the better, the stuff that they want him to do. And he has to a certain extent. I just, when he's here and he's making the money and he seems like, and, and I, and that's the thing I really struggle with is Tiv gets fired tomorrow. Do we really think that Rand, that Randall's minutes usage are going to go way down or his role or how he is, goes about his business on this team is going to change considerably under Johnny Bryant. Maybe he will, maybe he will. And if, if they do, I'll, again, I'll be the first person to say I was wrong. I I'm, a little suspicious that that's going to be the case. And then the only thing as, as far as tanking and drafting, developing, if you're so good at drafting and developing, why not try to do it with a better pick? It's, you know, like, Oh yeah, of course you mitigate how far you fall in that case. And yeah. yes, because, but the, I mean, then unless the Knicks jump in the lottery, they are going to continue to try to move up. They've done it all three years that Leon Rose has been here. They've tried moving up as far as they possibly can. But yes, it's easier to move up when you're already higher up to begin with. Yes, which, which then is, comes in. Yes, and I, so I hear and, you. and there and the two, the two things tie together because as great as Brunson is, that's also a, a argument for they have super easy pivot into a tank, which is to shut Jalen Brunson down. And like, I, I know that's not something that he wants. Surely. I'm sure that's not something that they want. They're probably not even thinking about it. I'm sure they're not thinking about it. I'm sure not, this is not before game 14. Yeah. yeah no, no. I'm or just saying down the line. No, I am saying like a game 40 or 50 type of move, you know, like let him make his, let his make, let him make his all-star run. Like, they, like the thunder did with Sheikh Alexander last year. Um, and then he didn't play for however many of the last, you know, number of games. Like my point is, I think your point about the bones being good was exemplified today. And this is a good transition to game balls because there are good young players on this team that you want to see more of, and you want to continue to explore their ceilings. Um, but I can't say anything more about that because you have, you give out the first game ball because reasons. Um, I mean, I'll, I guess I'll, I'll go with, yeah, it's recency bias, but it was really great to see Cam. Really great to see him, but he'll be my nominee because as Andrew's got some uh, other people and other folks listed here. Um, so I'm going to go with, with our uh, KFS patron slash community option that he has picked. That's mine. Pods changed my life. I love it. Love seeing people. Loved the fact that we were able to do this today. So um, honestly, just if I were watching this game at home, be miserable. But I had such a good time today that it was almost like, yeah, this sucks. But there's a communal aspect to it. We were we were sitting Shiva in Lounge 309 and great. <laughs> so so I'm cool with that. So uh, yeah, I'm going to go with them and and Cam as a player, recency bias. And, you know, he has these offensive games once every however many games, but it was worth it. He was productive. It was important. So 
I guess I'll go with him, but patrons it is. So you're going with the patrons? Oh, I'm going with the patrons, baby. Okay. Shout out to all of our patrons. Uh, and who, just community. And the whole, oh, just whole, listeners. And, there, were and non, there were non-patrons there, yeah. So yes, mm-hmm. all the entire our, community. All, the whole KFS community. If you're listening to this podcast, you're part of the community, whether you're at the game or not. Um, and yeah, shout out to MSG Events, um, who helped set this up. Uh, Penn Six for hosting us after work. And um, yeah, all, all of those things. Uh, I, I'm going to give it to Cam Reddish. And I that is a little bit of recency bias. Um, Cam in the how many other games were there this week? There were three other games this week, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, did not have great shooting nights. He was 0 of 7 against Brooklyn, did was not not great on the, um from the field. And in Minnesota, he was two of seven, and against Detroit, he was two of six. The reason why I have no issue giving him the game ball is because his defense, I think, even when his offense has not been great, um, has been really good and it was he was to me even more than quickly because i think quickly had some moments that were not so great defensively today against the thunder cam's defensive performance today against the thunder i think was it stood out to me for all of the right reasons um he finished this game today with his career high as a nick uh, 26 points on 17 shots he also chipped in four steals a block Two assists. Hey, Cam, way to get in the assist column. Uh, three, three rebounds as well. Um, you know, Fred said it to you at the end of the week, uh, Andrew. The Knicks have to continue to see what they have in Cam Reddish. It's like it's games like this that remind you why. Okay, even though he'll have a game or two games after this where it's like, man, Cam, what are you doing with these shots? This is still a young-ish player. There's still upside here and where they are at as a franchise, they are in no position to turn their noses up at the potential that they may have something here. I don't know what that something is. It's probably not the something that the Hawks thought they were getting when they drafted him, but there's still something here. So he had some of those moments today. And yet still, I was like fine with the minutes he played. And I was at the end of the day, okay with his aggressiveness. And as we, you just heard the box score, he had a bounce back game after two poor ones, you know? Yeah. No, absolutely. Um, um, he, the fifth, the fifth candidate for uh, game ball, by the way, is one Mr. Ryan Coogler, the director of Black Panther: Wakanda Forever. We will save our thoughts for next week because Jeremy hasn't seen it yet. Um, there's a reason he's in the game ball category instead of detention, though. Two, two out of three so far, I think, enjoy the movie. I agree on that. Yes, yes, it was it was very good. Uh, okay, so that means I get to give detention. So our candidates that uh, Andrew Claudio has listed here. Tom Thibodeau, Julius Randle, Evan Fournier, Derek Rose, or the Dallas Cowboys. I have no idea what the Dallas Cowboys I'll do it there. because Jeremy will enjoy this. The Cowboys lost in overtime today. Yeah. So they are now the third place Dallas Cowboys. And because the Giants won, the Giants are now the second place New York Giants. Very nice. I'll take it. There nice. you go. Um, I'm not putting the Dallas Cowboys in detention. I will already never there. Put- Whoever you're putting in detention is already It'll in there be with, with Dallas, Dallas. Cowboys. Okay. Exactly. Um, I'm never going to put Derrick Rose in detention. Something is off with Derrick Rose. Um, it's getting a little sad, actually. Um, he was very bad on defense today. And it's his offense is like the numbers are still okay, but like you just watch him and it, there's something not quite there. I'm not, I'm still not putting him in detention. Uh, Evan Fournier, I've already put in detention once. That's enough for now. So it comes down to Tom and Julius for me. 
Oh boy. They really are tied together. Um yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna go against type. I'm gonna go against type. I'll put Tibbs in detention. 145 points to be there and witness what can only be described at points in time in this game as a layup line. Well, there was no adjustment as far as schematically just he played a traditional center for all 48 minutes of this game and just stay stuck in drop coverage and like never tried Obi and Randall together. Uh, You know, didn't we talked about the fourth quarter decisions and all of these things. And it's like whether the other things he could have gone to would have worked or not. Like what there's literally there can't be anything worse than giving up the most points your team, your franchise has given up in 43 years. It can't get worse than that. It cannot. Um, so yeah, Tibbs, you're in detention. Makes my life a little bit easier because <laughs> there's really one option as a result, which is therefore Julius Randall. Um, again, it's just like, if you don't, if you're not watching the games, it's easy to be like, I just, I don't understand why, why Julius is getting piled on here. It doesn't make sense. He's making shots. He's doing the re- a big reason why the defense is just terrible is because Julius Randle yep. and he is who he is, you know, like at this point, he just, unless someone comes in and completely changes who he is and his style and force that the offense plays through him differently, it's not going to change. And I think as someone who had a second all NBA season. It's hard to go from that to, you know, you're always going to think I was that guy. I was that dude. I was him. How am I now not him anymore? Like you can't tell me that I can't do that because I know I can do that. Right. I've done it. Let me do it again. And um, the evidence, unfortunately just points in the direction of, yeah, you did do it. You did it once. Since then, it's just not, been effective it hasn't been efficient and i i in some ways i feel for him because of the fact that he didn't ask to be ahead of ob toppin in the pecking order no he received a contract offer and he signed it and uh i would have signed that extension too if i were him especially knowing what we know now and yet it just isn't working and uh yeah i think it would be great to see tibbs coaching this team without Julius Randall. I'd be very curious. You just removed him from the equation. Yeah. I just don't think we'll get the opportunity to really know. Well, and, and that's why again, they could fire the coach tomorrow. It will, it will not change my opinion really very much at all about barring something unforeseen, but it, the way I think it would go after that firing, it would not change my opinion very much about the front office or the general direction of where the team is at right now. What would change my opinion about those things is if they made a commitment to move on from this player who quite clearly like is, you know, you're, you're stuck in a certain place as long as he's on this roster. 
And again, I'm not saying he's not at fault. I'm not even saying uh, he, let me be very clear. He's been okay on offense. He's been good on offense with the amount of usage and the shots that he's taking, Mm -hmm. how much he's getting to the line. He got the line a bunch today. Like Oklahoma city defenders didn't, couldn't really handle him. Um, He could do rebounding like crazy too. He's been really good on the glass. He's He's doing a lot of good things. And yet, and yet, I don't know of a Nick fan who feels like this is a guy who could play a very big role on a really good team with all yeah. the things that are required at both ends of a player and the consistency that is required of someone, especially a non-center in terms of like a certain modicum of shooting that you need to be able to just keep defenses honest on a regular basis. It, it's, you know, and it's and shootings come around a little bit, but it's just, I don't know enough confidence in that. I don't know enough confidence in any of the other stuff. Um, yeah. Okay. There's one more thing I just want to add in terms of yeah. player who's on detention, who I agree. I don't feel comfortable putting in detention in Derek Rose. Yeah. I feel as though if Tibbs is still here through, you know, December, January, uh, February, up until the deadline, you, you, if you're the front office, you can move Rose, but you probably won't. If you remove Tibbs, you have the flexibility to then move Rose for something. What Rose is worth? I don't Not a ton, but here's I the difference. Know. Well, no, no, I, I agree with you, but where I'm going with this is if you knew Derek Rose wasn't going to come back next season because they have a team option, would you rather let him go at the, you know, and, and he can sign wherever he wants to, or would you try to use another team and be like, hey, team over the cap in luxury tax territory? What if we sent you someone who could be a guard off the bench and you lose your salary that you'd have where you're pressed up against in a different spot? Because you can non-guarantee Rose and then bring him back for cheaper. You have his bird rights. You could do all that. That's the philosophy I'm trying to... Again, I'm cheating because I'm going a little ahead of myself in terms of the next couple of months. But like, that to me is where... Rose really has the appeal. It's getting another team out of a financial sticky situation. The way Rose has looked defensively this year, there's been enough of a drop off there when that when coupled with because Derek Rose, the two years he's been here, he's been, I mean, he's been instant offense. You know, yes. it, it like he comes in and you're like those whenever he gets ahead of steam, it's like, OK, that's going to be two or at the very least, it's going to be a good shot or it's going to be a pat. like he's been so automatic. I think it's a little bit early. I want to see where he's at in 10 or 20 or 30 games before I'm like, this is the end. But, you know, he's been through a lot, a lot of injuries, a lot of surgeries, the whole thing. He's 34 years old. I mean, I don't know. I'm wearing a Derek Rose t-shirt right now. So uh, clearly I, I want him to, I, I want him to be the best version of himself. It's just, you know, it, well, but we'll have plenty of time to get to that conversation. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get there. Okay. Uh, predictions presented by our friends at WinBet. Uh, download the WinBet app or visit www.winbet.com. That is www.wynnbet.com to start winning. Sign up today to receive a special offer. Bet $100, win $100, download, bet, win. Uh, I would bet a lot of overs in the four <laughs> games we have ahead. Oh, my goodness. As I would also probably take some money lines. Not for the Knicks. Spoiler alert. Okay, Jeremy, you won last week. I hate you. Um, you're now 3-0 on the year, right? Yes. Jesus Christ. 
not giving me a chance to to get up off the mat. You just mm-hmm. you're kicking me, kicking a good man when he's down. It's very unfortunate. Um, Tuesday at Utah, Wednesday at Denver, Friday at Golden State, <laughs> Sunday at Phoenix. You know I'm going to put you in the most unenviable position possible, right? I just so I want I you actually, to know that. I, I so when you say that, yes. It makes me think that you're going to go one and three. Yes. If you want to take two and two, then be my guest. Oh my God. To me, you're giving me a gift. Well, see, I don't really know if I am. And listen, if you win this week, then so be it. Because the Knicks, as bad as it felt like they were last year, they won at Golden State. Utah is in first place. They're obviously, you know, how long they keep this up. I don't really know. Denver, they haven't won there since 2006. Um, Phoenix. Yeah. They lost to the magic. So again, I think there's, there's certainly an opportunity for you to take two and two and be successful with it. I just, I can't be that optimistic. I just, based on everything we've talked about and everything I'm seeing right now, I I, I have to roll with one and three. Okay. And if I'm wrong, then, uh, then it was a decent week and Tibbs lives to keep fighting another game. Jeremy, you think you're, too optimistic. You, you think you're not being optimistic enough. Wait till you hear what John's about to say. Not only am I <laughs> running mm. to the bank with 0-4, I think that there is a chance that they lose these four games by a total of upwards of 100 points. Listen, it's definitely possible. I just feel like they can win one of the four very close by the skin of their teeth. And if they don't and they're 0-4, then... We're talking more about Victor Wembanyama sweepstakes and uh, we're just having different conversations because it's amazing how much that one game also can feel like a difference in terms of how, how this is going, which shouldn't be whatever this team other than Jalen Brunson doing really amazing shit. This team has not impressed me. This team has not impressed me once all season. The Minnesota game was nice. Like Julius drained a bunch of threes. You know, that was playing. Talk about dead man walking. That was playing a team that was dead man walking. And, and they, and but they, they crushed in, them. They did they, crush they them. Crushed them and, and they deserve credit for that. They stomped on their, they stomped on their necks in on a, a road game. The whole thing. I. Hmm. Yeah, I think they're going to get crushed. I think they're going to get absolutely crushed this week. In traditional fashion, they'll lose the first three, and it'll come down to the final game of the week for us to once again determine which one of us is uh, is accurate here. No, it's going to be as it's been every single week. What's going to be funny is when they win Tuesday and the week's over. (laughs) (laughs) That's what's going to be funny. They go into Utah, and Utah suddenly plays like the team that we all thought they would be before the season. Yeah, Um, I mean, look. We just we just buried Tom Thibodeau. If there were ever a time for the team to come out and show everybody that like, hey, we still want to play for this coach. We still believe in this coach. Uh, they're the 27th ranked defense in the league over this these seven games. The Knicks are. And it's not like they've played a bunch of world beaters on offense other than Boston, who's the best offense in the league. Um, and they are going into Utah. And Utah is, anybody want to guess what Utah is ranked offensively? Well, I can tell you it's better than 
the Oklahoma City Thunder, who entered today, twenty sixth in offensive rating. So yeah, the, the I know Jazz the answer, have. So don't ask. Ask me. You know, well, tell our tell our uh, friends at home what what ranked offense. Actually, can we just go through the offenses that I'm, they're playing this week? Yeah, they're ranked, the Utah's the second ranked offense. Denver is the third ranked offense in the league. Um, Phoenix is. Phoenix is the sixth ranked offense in the league and no. Golden State is the worst. They're the 14th ranked offense in the league. And their offense is a little deceptive because their bench is like the worst five man unit with the significant number of minutes or one of the worst five man unit bench uh, lineups in the league. Their starting unit is the number one lineup in the NBA and partly is because Steph Curry is having the best season of his career. Potentially one could argue. Um, so yeah, that's what the Knicks will have to contend with this year. Oh, the Suns just lost by 17 to the Magic, who did not have Paolo Boncaro. So Magic I'm just are, saying Magic are feisty. They they are feisty, but then they also lost to the Sixers. I mean, like I love how you're you're talking a win into existence, Jeremy. I would I was actually leading with John that this could be that my bigger prediction for all of this is that this would not be the first time we're doing a pod about this is the end of Tom Thibodeau. This is writing starting to look on the wall. And this West Coast trip was always, I think, on everybody's calendar as like, okay, they go on this West Coast trip. They come back. They're still playing competitive teams. Like, John, you highlighted the the Dallas, Cleveland, Atlanta stretch at home. And this is where Sean said it that Monday after the Cavs and the Mavs, where it's Luca on Sunday, Donovan Luca on Saturday, Donovan Mitchell on Saturday. There's a chance the Knicks are eight and sixteen. That's a time that James Dolan is like, I this can't be the the product that I'm, we're having our home court fans see every Sunday. This coach well, has to go. At the very least, um the uh the the Cavs just lost to the Wolves, so the Wolves got off the Schneid. Uh mm-hmm. they did not have to play against Donovan Mitchell. They only had to play against Darius Garland, um, taken uh, fifth in the 2019 NBA draft. Darius Garland, 51 points. Jeez. Okay. Wow. Cleveland. I bet. I think he played in the fourth quarter, too. Pretty sure. Two things. Uh, Number one, December, you know, December 4th, that Cavs game. Mm -hmm. Ironically, right around the time where Fizdale was fired, which is December 6th. Mm. So circle that week on your calendar in terms of Nick's lore. Um, but the other thing is I just, yeah, like we're talking about this stretch of games, mm. Andrew, I'd love for you to elaborate on this for a moment. I don't see, da- I don't, I almost said David Pistol. I don't see Tom Thibodeau getting Willie Randolph. Would you like to explain <laughs> to those who don't know about what getting Willie Randolph? Means? I vaguely know what that means. So back when I watched baseball, right. Uh-huh. Um, in 2008, um, I'll add the, the smallest bit of, bit of backstory. So this is a reference to the New York Mets from the mid 2000s. They hired Yankee great and honestly, former Met great too, Willie Randolph to be their manager. They showed improvement in 2005, won the division and were the one of the best teams in baseball in 2006, but lost in the NLCS. So they were one win away from the World Series. The next year had a seven game lead with 17 games to play. And went four and thirteen and lost the division to the Phillies, and he still didn't get fired, but entered two thousand eight on the hot seat. 
I add that context because the Mets got off to a mediocre start. They were a 500 team for two months. And the chatter around the team was that like any minute now he could get fired. And there was one weekend. So it was Memorial Day weekend. The, the Mets had lost their eighth straight game. They didn't fire him. A couple of games go by. They like split a series, didn't fire him. They play a weekend series that it's like they're coaching, like they're, they're playing for his job. They win two out of three. All right. Still haven't fired him. They go on a West Coast trip to Anaheim. They win the first game. It's on the West Coast. So the game mm-hmm. starts at 10 p.m. our time, finishes at 1 a.m. They win it. So they've now won three out of four. They're winning games for Julius, for Julius Randall. Wow. Right. For Willie Randolph. Randolph. Um, and it's like 1.30 in the morning. And this is really pre-Twitter, pre-everything. And they fire Willie Randolph in the middle of the night. And nobody found out about it until they woke up the next morning. And we're like, wait a minute. When I went to bed, the Mets won. Like, that's the last thing I remember. So that is what the the Mets did to Willie Randolph. It's looked at as one of the worst coach firings in sports history, let alone New York sports mm-hmm. history, which is why Jeremy used his name as a verb. You yes. don't get Willie Randolph. I also don't see them doing that to tips. I think this well, would be a... Yeah. It's hit, it'll hit a rock bottom and then it'll be a clear time to move. I don't think that they'll like give him like give him a chance to get like a couple wins mm-hmm. and then it's like actually we do fire you. you know? You've inspired an interesting thought though, which is Willie Randolph was fired after a win. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The first head coach fired this season was Steve Nash, who was it wasn't so much surprising he was on the hot seat, but he was fired after, after a win. A win. It's very possible that, again, who knows? But if Tim, if Tom Thibodeau is fired, have to wonder is it like, hey, you had a win, good memories, by the way. <laughs> like maybe it doesn't have to be all these losses that pile up, right? Like I, it doesn't have to. Who knows? I, it's just, it's an interesting thought where it's like, you know, hey, it happens. At least you got your win. Um, <laughs> lasting memories. Thanks, thanks for them. We appreciate it, but uh, it's it's just not a good time anymore. We, we don't see the fit. But again, hey, got to win. Thanks for the win. And uh, your money, the check still clears. You're good. Don't worry. Jeremy, the unfortunate comp that doesn't work there is so much else was going on with the Brooklyn Nets that led oh, to 100%. Steve Nash getting fired. It's, it's specifically yeah. the yeah. like, hey, you won. Congrats. Right. Yeah. By the way, here's a pink slip. Well, I, I mean, listen, if they end up beating Donovan Mitchell on December 4th, and then they fire Tibbs that night. I mean, I won't complain. Uh, I'll be like, oh, wow, they, they they beat Mitchell back in the garden. And then they they moved on. And so this, what a I, way to go out, Tom. You know, you I, beat Donovan I, Mitchell. I will just say, despite everything I've said on the show today, um, my my suspicion is that things will get worse before they get better after they fire Tibbs. And I am not of the belief that firing Tibbs will solve the problems, even though, as I made very clear today, I think he is not helping them at the moment um, for several reasons. That's it. That's all I got. Uh, Andrew, thank you very much. You're welcome. Jeremy Cohen, thank you very much. Thank you, John. <laughs> and everybody out there, thank you for checking out another episode of the Next Film School podcast. Hope you enjoyed this one. If you dig it, uh, don't forget, leave us a five star rating, leave us a nice review. Of course, subscribe and uh, we will be back with you with another episode that I am recording tomorrow.
and will drop on Tuesday. Yes, that is what is happening. Uh, and then all of our usual post games this week, even though they will be late because they're on the West Coast. So what? what pre what and post. Pre and post. Pre and post. Late, pre, late, late post. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll have it all for you. Um, till then, take care. Be well. Peace out. Headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.